test is simple, remove your hand from the box and you die. That's right people and welcome back to Films of Amigos. Today we're delving into Denise Villeneuve's highly anticipated rendition of the sci-fi classic, Dune. And we're down to just three Amigos this week, so joining myself as usual is Lucky Day, Dusty Bottoms, aka Sam and Big Dad. We are a house of trades. there is no call, we do not answer, there is no faith that we betray. The Emperor asks us to bring peace to Arrakis. House Atreides accepts! I know you. There's something awakening in my mind. You need to face your fears. Come with me. Alright, let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to Season 2, Episode 2 of Films with Amigos. It's the uh, second episode in the four-episode run of Trying Something New. We've been back to the cinema, and we've been to see June, brackets, Part 1. That's a lie, I didn't put that on advert, but it definitely <laughs> came up in cinema. Yeah, it did, yeah. yeah. It did, yeah. It definitely did. And also, we can officially confirm at this time uh, that Part 2 is confirmed. Saw that on, uh, what's his name, Josh Brolin's Instagram. So that's the source of that major <laughs> announcement, in case anybody tries to come at me. Imagine if it's just fake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Posted party. Being psyched. Yeah. It'd be like one of them, uh, like, Snyder Cut campaigns, just to get it going. Oh, yeah, speaking of that, that, uh... What did we watch? Army of the Dead. That the prequel thing is going to be on Netflix as of... Tomorrow, as we record, so Army of Thieves. That's the one. So we won't be watching that. But... We won't be watching that. And obviously, just for uh, just for a record, uh, one amigo is missing. The amigo himself, Francis Lee. So we won't be ever watching Army of the Dead. <laughs> it's going on record now. Screw you, Fran. You didn't turn <laughs> up to the podcast, and we're not listening or watching anything that you ever say again. <laughs> so anyway, June wrote from the nineteen sixty-five novel. By Frank Herbert, which is a great name to say, Herbert, who had read the book prior to the film coming out. I had read the book, and it was one that I was looking forward to. So I looked back on my, my Amazon order for when I'd ordered this book, which was end of 2019. So I was highly anticipating this film. Based did, on. Did you read it for the. Because you knew the film was coming yeah, out? Yeah. Based on that I liked everything near enough that the director had done beforehand so I thought plenty of opportunity here for me to get ahead I know there's some Covid delays but yeah that, that gave me ample time to to read so yeah I was I was ready for this one yeah and the director Dennis don't know how to pronounce his surname French Canadian Villeneuve Villeneuve it's not Dennis I think it's like Denis Denis yeah one in, one in I copied the straight off IMDb Another great source of information. <laughs> well, run through, run through a quick run through his films. So, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which is a spectacular film for imagery, but an absolute bag of trash because it's terrible. Good film. It's, good. it's, a, it's a good film. <laughs> if you don't like stories or any substance, great film. <laughs> if Fran was here as well, he'd it, also say it's a good yeah, film. Yeah, his opinion's not valid anymore. <laughs> Arrival. Anybody actually watched it? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Never seen it. Very good. Uh, I think I would. Yeah, that's two films for this director, which are poor. 
But hopefully, Sicario, amazing. Yeah. Prisoners, also very good. I've seen Prisoners. Never seen Prisoners? It's on Netflix. Oh, Prime or something. It's on something. I started watching it again the other day. Yeah, like Prisoners. Enemy as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's as far back as I go. And he's got a few more features before that. And quite a few other bits in French, I think he's done before that. Mm-hmm. Also, a pattern here likes a long film as well. These are yeah. all quite long. Yeah, yeah. I think the last, the last three are very similar, aren't they? Arrival, Blade Runner, and Dune. He's really leaning into sci-fi now. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Also, Dune's been made multiple times before. I think he's had two, two, at least two films before. And I saw an IMDb, it's also had a miniseries. Yeah, I think one was a TV movie, then an actual film, a miniseries, and the second film. So yeah. much. Lots of adaptions. Was it worth remaking? Just top level, without giving any, any reason why, because we'll get into it. Was it worth remaking? I would say yes. Also, yes. Ben? Yes, maybe. <laughs> this is weird because I thought you were going to come out so pro for this film and I feel like you're leaning so against You, you haven't read it, had you, beforehand? I've read part of the book. Part of the book. I couldn't tell you where I got up to. Well, you knew more about the book than I did because I'm like 450 pages in. Yeah, it's strange. Well, this is, this is one of the biggest problems I had with the film. Although, I did like it. I did enjoy the film. But it just felt so familiar. Felt like it was. Um, felt like I was just waiting for the plot to unfold, rather than like being excited by the events that were going to happen. Now I don't know why it felt so familiar because I've not read the entire book, but I have seen the the previous film, the nineteen eighty four film by David Lynch, which is essentially the first twenty minutes of that film is probably this entire film. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I found it, I said when we came out, that it was how I imagined it would look, which I sort of said was, it's probably easy to imagine what a film in a desert planet might look like. But sort of all the scenes I could, it's how I pictured them. Classic cat meow in the background, by the way, if yeah. anybody does hear it. That's it's just pretend it's not happening like um, the uh, Bloodsport trailer thing. Where Dan, Dan, you thought there was a meow in the Bloodsport trailer. Oh, yeah, you did. You uh, said that. Like, you said that, that, that was a thing. You yeah. said that was like a bit of internet trivia, didn't you? But yeah. I don't think we ever confirmed it. And to this day, you know, everybody says that Danny is meows for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to go back on back of that comment about this is how you'd imagine it to be, right? I think what this film did very well was helped me see what I couldn't visualise in the book. So, the Baron on his weird suspender thing, where mm. he basically rises up like a cobra, never got that in the book. Every time I was reading it, I was like, what are they on about? What is it? What is this thing? But I thought in the film, awesome. And also adds to like just how like ominous he is as a character. I thought that was really good. Yeah. I think the, the scale as well. This film did like scale incredible. Like the worms. You understand why the Fremen... Yeah. Worship those 
Well, they're like agents of the gods, aren't they? You see the worms as agents of the gods. You yeah. understand like why you see. Well, they call them the maker, like a... don't they? Because don't they make the spars? Yeah. Yeah, they're like a essentially a force of nature rather than like a. Yeah. No, they were good, very good. And I thought that the whole bit when the worm takes down the spice harvester was good. Um, there were some slight tweaks from the book. Like if that bit in in the um the, the there's the spice harvester and then they they call they call in the lifter to come and lift it off the sand before the worm comes, and in the book, the lifter just doesn't come and you find out that's like part of like the Harkonnens were either were screwing Sabotage, over, yeah. but in that it's just like a little clamp for something that didn't work and I just thought it didn't they didn't really need to change it it the book thing worked and you could have made it work in a film so there were some odd little tweaks that I did think like why why do that. Yeah. So even even despite despite how slow this film takes it, it still can't even fit in everything the book has. Like Mentats, it completely pushed aside, don't they? Yeah, and this particular Peter, it's probably not called Peter. It's spelled with like an irony or something, isn't it? It's like a, the Dutch spelling, isn't it? Yeah, like the Dutch spelling. Yeah. yeah, I hated how. That character was just completely underutilized in the film. In the book, he makes a bargain with Baron and says, "I'll help you take out House Atreides. I'll help you take June, but I want Lady Jessica. She's mine, and like I want to do stuff with her." And he's like proper, like sick and like menacing. And in this, he was just kind of there because they're meant to be. They meant to be like almost neutral. Well, not neutral, but they're meant to be like. Well, they're like hey, they're supposed to be one. I think. Pe- like, Peter or whatever his name is, he's supposed to be like an expert assassin, but they're also like expert tacticians, aren't they? Like they can compute the odds of anything. And they only really shows that once in the film where yeah, Hugh Leto asks for the he asks for the cost of the ceremonial visit, doesn't he? Yeah. And the guy's eyes roll back and he oh, yeah. and he says like yeah. one capital ship, seven brigs, whatever cost of sixty three billion credits or something. Yeah, yeah. What's he? What's he? Um, what's he called? No, I can't remember what he's called. Um, Harlick, something like that, or Holrick, or something like that, because he also plays a quite prominent role in the book again that they miss that they don't include in the film, which I think is weird because in the sec in the second film it seems like a bit prominent, which is once Juliet has been screwed over, they want to know traitor is, and he's told that the traitor is Lady Jessica. And there's this whole subplot about Lady Jessica's the one that was gonna that, that was the actual traitor to, ha- to House Atreides, which is the reason why he then joins the Harkonnens in the second part, and he's actually instrumental in so much of that storyline. Which I thought they just ignored all that. So how does that come to play in the second one? Yeah. I thought the the Sardaukar, I thought it got pushed aside a bit. Yeah. I love their introduction. You see their homeworld, and it's yeah. You see the legions of them, and they have that like Aztec human sacrifice, but you don't really. It doesn't really explain they're meant to be borderline undefeatable. They're meant to be like, like legendary. Yeah. And I think in the book, does Duncan Idaho kill like nineteen of them? And that's meant to be like unprecedented. Like, yeah, barely any of them are supposed to ever get killed. Uh, there's a, there's definitely there's a bit in the book where they get ambushed by the Fremen, and the Fremen lose like no one. And they kill like an entire like battalion of them, and everybody's like, yeah. no one ever does. That's that. what I mean. Yeah, it doesn't build up them enough. It doesn't it doesn't really explain they're meant to be literally undefeatable. 
yeah. or they've never been defeated before. You kind of, you kind of, you understand like the a bit cruel and stuff, but it doesn't. I don't think it really explains. Doesn't really get through like what they're supposed to be. Yeah, like, they're significant, and you only have to get like flash forward scenes, don't you, in the book where as they're throwing bursting out the sand. And, yeah, I think it needed more to build up the Sardi Karma. Yeah. Also, yeah. huge spoilers alert for this bit. So, <laughs> you know, skip the skip yeah. five minutes if you don't want to listen to this bit. But also, there's a subplot again about why the why the emperor turns on House Atreides, why he, why he actually sends Leto and, and Atreides to um, Acheron in first place, and it's because they've uncovered that the Sardaukar are actually created from Emperor's prisoner planet, and actually they started out as prisoners who've now been bred and mind washed into the point where they're fanatical loyalist super soldiers, and actually um, House Atreides trained warriors that could match them and they didn't like that they were a power match that first time ever and then there's like a whole subplot with that and then the baron's like oh maybe i could turn like the fremen into like them as well and there's all this thing and i was like so much like detail so much depth so much game of thrones level depth that i was like ah they're all missing all that so although he's done a first film that's full of detail and full of all these intricate bits that do match the book is he going to screw it all up in second one by just really cramming all action in. There's meant to be a TV series as well about what's the group that the the woman at the beginning was part of. The Bene, Bene yeah, Gracia, that one. whatever they call Yeah, there's meant to be a TV series about that that he's doing a pilot of and then running with. I don't know when it's coming out or. Great time reading that book and then hearing him say it for the first time in film being like, oh, pronounce that's, that's how you pronounce all these words. Pronounce yeah. all these words wrong. So yeah, that's going to be fleshed out yeah. a little bit there. But yeah, when it's is about two and a half hours for this one, you think, which I'm sure we'll get to as part of our little summary when we think mm-hmm. how they could have done it differently, perhaps for knowing it, it was going to be part one with however many films. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not, it's just it's just a difficult thing to adapt, isn't it? Mm. Like oh, one, yeah. one of the things I thought, you just meant to assume House of Trades are good, aren't you? Doesn't really give any explanation. Yeah. Who House of Trades? They're not in the book. Um, they've been meant to be kind of masters of propaganda. House of Trades, isn't that? No, is I don't. Isn't that one of their things? No, I think propaganda. The, I think the problem in the book is that you don't really get much backstory on House of Trades. I feel like you got more in the film. I feel like. Well, even the film doesn't really say. You just meant to assume these guys are the good guys. You don't really get like, are they actually good rulers? <laughs> no, I don't. Well, that's the thing. I don't think that necessarily in the book that they are good or bad. I think it's just all about power play, isn't it? I think in I think in the book the bigger thing is about whether Paul's the messiah that everybody thinks is because the Moad die. Yeah, which is the desert mouse. That's what it's named after in the book because that desert mouse. You see it in the film, don't you? Yeah, it drinks. Water off its own ear tabs. It's like, mm. Some people in the cinema thought that was very cute. Yeah, they were like, oh, I can't wait for the merch. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they're like, his mum and the Ben, uh, whatever they are. Yeah. They think he's one messiah. The Fremen think he's another messiah. But actually what you find out in the book is, is that that group that his mum's part of sent diplomats out to planets and plant the seeds for prophecies. That basically all link back to their messiah, so it's all like a plot in it for them. It's like 
It's good. The book, the book. Although, I, and you know, I, I'm happy for you to call me out on it. I did say the book was shit for the first two hundred pages straight. And to be honest, it were a eight drag. It was like reading a Feast for Crows. Remember when you when you're reading Game of Thrones series and you get to Feast for Crows and you're like, God, this book. The style's a little bit weird with the characters narrated by later on. Is it? I think it. Uh, well, I think it's all. I think it's kind of like third person, but then also switches into like yeah. first person narration at different points for different characters because you get like bits from Jubilee for a lot of it, yeah. and then all of a sudden they're just like surprise. Yeah. Another thing that they did well in film, though, visualizing the shields. Yeah, they showed that well. In the book, I was like, "What are these shields are on about? These shields they wear on the body and all the shield combat." I thought. That first scene where he's with uh, Gurney. Gurney, Josh Brolin, and that, and it, I thought that they showed that really well, and they show and they set up the whole physics behind it, so that later on when you had the action scenes, you understood why some people could get slashed and some people couldn't, because it was all like that thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Has anyone ever seen the nineteen eighty four? No. The heels are pretty terrible. Oh. <laughs> They're like um, blocks. Uh-huh. Like uh, pixelated blocks, like cover the characters, so you can't even like see the facial features. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's the best they could do. It's yeah. the best. It's they best they could do at the time. But, yeah. No, I think the heels are good, and I mean, it, it just the sword combat. Just it's a nice um, contradiction, isn't it? It's yeah. In the future, but mm. so it's fancy you have to find yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. as well. It, because in, in the book they do have, they do have laser guns and stuff, but it says in like the book that basically if you shoot a laser gun at like a shield, it goes like subatomic, doesn't it, and like causes like a massive explosion that kills everybody in the area. So that's like why they had to revert back to swords, which I thought it's a nice easy way out, but it works because yeah. you I mean, do want swords. I don't know if that, that's in the book, but I liked when they when they ambushed the the his fleet, those kind of barges where they drop bombs on them. But they got the bombs, but then the bombs land on the shields, but then, like, they just stop and then slowly, like... Yeah, sink through. Sink through the shield. Yeah. I thought that was really... I don't know if that's in the book, but... No, no, no. That's a really clever... Yeah. Really clever visual. Yeah, and it goes back to that thing of just showing that little bit of physics with him earlier where he says the slow blade goes through the shield. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was good. A couple of little details from book that transferred well from into the film. Uh, one where that guy's flying that little remote mosquito to kill Paul. That's a good bit in the book. And also the bit when they meet Stilgar for the first time and um, he spits on the table and he's like, just to fucking kill him and that. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, thanks for your water and that. And then they all spit on the table. Thought that was good. Yeah, that's a good little scene in the film. Although the importance of water, probably too downplayed. Yeah, it won't make too much of. Just a bit around the suits and, yeah, the spitting. But yeah, it went too much of that. It's definitely more prominent in the book, isn't it? Yeah, it's like nearly everything, isn't it? Yeah. Because that's that's a, essentially their entire culture. Is water, yeah. The Fremen, yeah, it's based around water. Yeah, that's why they want to... I think it's just, it's just meant to play on your understanding in a desert. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? It doesn't really explain. It's just like a desert war is, war is important. Yeah, that's why they wanted to just kill them towards the end, wasn't it? They just wanted to harvest the bodies basically yeah it's quite gross mm. it's good in the book because he's like in the book when he uh, when he has his final knife fight with that guy yeah. um, and he kills him and then they said to him well his water's yours now and he's like oh, I don't want it and they're like hold up <laughs> <laughs> that was like you know that water's bitcoin 
It's just as bad as the blur, man. So, there's one thing I didn't understand in the film. He was having visions of the future, of where a guy was seeking him, showed him the hooks you had worms with. Mm. Was that the same guy he killed? Or did yeah. he just look like the guy? No, I think he just looked like him. Just right. generic Fremen characters. Because yeah. the problem is, once they're all wrapped up in their things with nostrils and that, with nostril mm. tubes, they all look fairly. Yeah, no. I think as well, this is one thing I didn't like in the film. And the, all this knowledge is biased by of trying to read the book before the film. But in the in the book, his flash forwards are he sees him, his mother, he sees Shani, I think her name is, um, and his kid, and he's leading the Atreides bannerman on a massacre of the universe, and like all the planets are burning, and he's like constantly killing everyone, and he's basically like, I don't want to be the Messiah because that means I will essentially become like the totalitarian emperor. So in the book, he's got he got keeps trying to derail his own prophecy, but in this they were just like flash forward to love story. Potentially the easiest paycheck for Zendaya, is it? Yeah, because she was in like all the promo material. She thought she was going to be <laughs> yeah the second most prominent. Character. Yeah, because like yeah. every time I see her, I think about on trailer there's like that music, and I was like da, da, da. <laughs> desert music, and yeah. she's like looking all like. So much going yeah. on. Does she open the film with like a bit of a monologue, doesn't she? Yeah. But then, but yeah, other than like, do you know, like two when minutes they, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Do, do you know when they do that thing where they say, "Oh, Floyd oh, Mayweather earned twenty five grand a second for that boxing," <laughs> so like you know Roger Federer earned fifty grand for that for that one game of tennis. Where it's just like every word's worth like twenty thirty grand. She was taking a big gamble that there was going to be a, a part two on this one, wasn't she? Yeah. Oh yeah. So was Dave Bautista. Yeah. All right, said. A lot of the big names are in this part one that like, uh, Oscar Isaacs won't be in part two. Yeah. Um, oh, it, 100% one thing the director definitely did clever, and probably not the director, but the people who cast the film, whoever cast it, which was like, we need as many names as possible because this isn't going to draw a crowd we are. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was, that was part of the problem I had with the film, was just knowing that. Essentially, there was going to be this red wedding scene. Funny how many Game of Thrones references there are. So even, many. Even though it came before, <laughs> long before. Yeah, but how much were you influenced by this? Mm, eh? Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, just knowing like everyone was just going to die essentially. Even though they like took the entire film to get there. Mm, yeah. I remember the I remember talking to you then, trying to decide where the film would end. Yeah, I was trying to... Because I think, I think I thought it'd end a bit more... Because you saw so much of Zendaya in the trailer. Yeah. You thought maybe it was going to end further into when he'd already joined the film. Maybe when he'd essentially... Kind of like Ride the Worm. I thought that's maybe where it'd end. Yeah. Create Ride the Worm and get accepted as a friend. And I would say... But then when... 100% that's where it should have ended. Yeah. That would have been I... a bigger moment maybe to end on. Yeah. Because just when we'd seen the film... The night before, I just read the part where he has his knife fight. So he has the knife fight, he wins, and then he goes into the whatever they call them, Strick or something. They're like the cave, the, the cave system, Fremen's caves. Everybody were like, "Look, we're gonna have a big party like that scene in Matrix, <laughs> where they're all underground, <laughs> and basically, Stilgar's gonna come out, and he's just gonna be like, you know." 
a combination of warriors and, and matrix and be like can you dig it then we're gonna we're be like let's do these spouse drugs spouse drugs and then they're gonna take these spouse drugs and all this and i'll read it and i'm like right okay and then as we're watching film i went for my customary piss. you only had one only had one piss had one. because i was enjoying the film mainly because i read the book i think all you missed was at that point it was just i think you missed the introduction of the suits yeah explain that and I can't believe you only had the one piss. Yeah, I this did. Is, you don't understand the media. No, understands. Yeah, <laughs> for a film over two hours, usually two. You you didn't have a drink in five guys though, did you? No, no. But I had a pint in bar. Yeah. And then, I only had a regular Pepsi Max rather than a large, <laughs> intentionally siding so up for a piss. Fran, go and get your milkshake earlier. Yeah. Also, Fran, I'm not paying you back for them two <laughs> Pepsi Maxes you've now bought, ever, punk. Um, but we're going off topic now well, and I also strategically went for a piss knowing full well that nothing was going to happen because I'd read book mm. and I kind of it was showing at that point it was following it quite close but so I'd read, all, I'd read all that night before went for a piss and I looked at the clock and I was like right we're like an hour and 20 odd minutes in now which is why when it got towards the end of the film and I'm sure we'll talk about this more but when it got towards the end of the film I started shaking my head because <laughs> I knew the timing in my head said it's going to end any second and it's going to end with his bullshit. So I'm shaking my head. And I'm looking at Jack because he's not read book enough. Oh, here we go. This is it. And then, boom, cuts the credits. Look at Jack. Jack goes, what's this? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, she just says, this is only just the beginning. Yeah. And an end. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when the, when essentially, the, I'm going to call it the Red Wedding scene still. When the Red Wedding scene's like two odd hours into the film, you just know it's going to end. Anytime near there, yeah. I think the worst thing before was where they're crossing the desert. I can't believe how drawn out that was. Mm. Where they're what images? They're crossing the desert, and I know, yeah. I know, I know, I knew at some point a worm's going to chase them because I know that's how they meet the fremen. And then I was just waiting, and it, it lasted like ten minutes. <laughs> ten minutes of them just crossing the desert, and just like also as well. Again, a small minor detail change from the book. Where it changed it, and I feel like, well, his version were not as good as the book. In the book, they've got the thumper, and then Paul's like, right, I'm going to set this thumper off. It's going to call a worm, but we know we're going to get attacked by a worm either way. But this will at least give us, like, a two-minute head start to get running. But in this one, they just started running, and then somebody Someone else, else set, done it. Somebody yeah. else set up. Which doesn't really make sense, because the Fremen worship yeah, the, why the would worms they... as agents of the gods, so why would they change... Yeah. Why would they try and change? They won't change no. what the worms do because yeah, be it doesn't make sense. Interfering with God. It would have been better with the original version. A couple of little details I did like. I did like that they had the still tent. I did like that they used the uh, sandblaster thing when he gets out of the tent to like dig the way out because basically they get buried at night. Oh, yeah. Um, they didn't mention too much about I'm drinking their own sweat, though, which I thought, like, in Bucket, like, ugh. Can't wait to see this. Well, it'd be, it'd be more than sweat, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, actually... I don't think you see them drink as such, do you, at all? No. That's what I'm saying. You should be drinking all that sweat. Mm. Reminds me of a Tropical Thunder. Better drink me some of this booty sweat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, after I've seen you look coming out of gym, I don't want, I'm glad we don't have them soups. <laughs> Come on, Dan, what else is on your notes? What else is on your plans? Right, I've, I've only got plot points, really. Just the little markers, because... Too many weird names to try and remember and, and bits like that. Um, People have been hating on Duncan Idaho. Yeah. 
I quite like it though. I think it's quite a unique name. What in terms of the name? Yeah, Duncan Eye though. Oh yeah, all the all the names are weird, but you can just imagine it's just. The problem is there's no consistency, is there? No. Like usually names follow certain themes, but this is just all over the place. Like some people have like one normal name and like a weird third name. Yeah. Then there's like Lady Jessica, and then there's but then there's like Duke Harkonnen, which is just like. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's not really they're just all over the place. Yeah, which is a problem. It's, it's very much a some man writing in 1960s what he thinks a, a sci-fi. Yeah, something with the. I mean, I quite like if every character had a, one normal name and then one weird name. Yeah, I guess that makes the, sense. But... Like when Paul becomes whatever it was, the mouse name. Mount Mon- Dibble. Yeah, yeah. all those have got a similar sort of. Oh, well, yeah. he still sticks I mean, Paul like... in book. He sticks Paul before. It's like no, I'm yeah. still Paul though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because. I presume there's like a Eastern Asian influence because you have like the Gomjabar is a the poison needle and the yeah. Shai Halud is the the name of the worm or the name of the big worms anyway. Yeah, it feel it feels very much like uh for the Fremen, like their language or whatever, yeah, like it says gotta be based on uh, on um some Middle Eastern or uh or Far Eastern cultures, it's got to be something because, like you said, like a guy in the 1960s, like, that's as far as his brain can reach. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'll just reach further up. But, <laughs> but no, so, um, I guess just because we've been looking at names, just one one uh, actor we haven't mentioned, Stellan Skarsgård, playing the Baron, mm-hmm. thought he was very, very good. Yeah, I thought the makeup effects and stuff were really good. I thought because he's like really repulsive in the book, he's in fact. A paedophile in the book, and multiple no, points. I think mean, there's a lot more about sex in the book, isn't there? Well, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think one for all of them, the whole book's a bit more sexualized, but also with the Baron, like it specifically keeps mentioning lovely boys, like that's the phrase they use. Because mm. he, one bit, he sees a woman's neck in book, and he says, "What a lovely neck, like a lovely boy's neck." And I was like, "This dude loves little boys." Oh. Yeah. I mean, if you want to make a character evil, that's like, no, that's, that's like... it. No, at one bit um, later on in the book, he legit, he legit rapes a slave boy, but the slave boy sent to kill him by his nephew, and his nephew was told to send the slave boy to kill him by the mentat that used to be Jude Leto's mentat. And then, um, then he said, Baron says to that dude later on, like that mentat, like, "What are you playing at?" And it's just like. You know, I just calculate odds and scheme and that. <laughs> but yeah, he's like, um, because he's a. This is a whole thing in the book again, which I hope they explore the second one, but they probably won't because I feel like they just. Uh, I feel like they're just dissolving a, per, a certain part of the storyline. But in the book, his nephew's trying to like figure out how to get rid of him. So and become he head has of two nephews, isn't it? Yeah, it, well, we one only, of, have, only what, have one in this. Yeah, one of them's obviously um, Dave Batista. And then the other one's the one that he wants to actually yeah. inherit the house. So I've only, seen, I've only seen a 1984 film, and that has Sting playing the other nephew. Who's like, <laughs> he's meant to be like perfect. He's meant to be like really yeah. handsome compared to other yeah. Harkins. Yeah, and he fights a gladiator in book, which is a real cool bit. Well, it's like a rigged fight, but then they also make it not look rigged. It's very yeah. confusing. But but that character wasn't in this one. No. But the Baron makes him go and kill a woman that he's sleeping with slave clothes, just, like just to show how he believes it. But, but anyway, my point is they really made him look gross in this. Yeah. I mean, in in the nineteen eighty four film, he's a lot more 
he looks a lot more grace because he's got like boils and pimples all over his face and he's fat. Yeah. But he's also a lot more pantomimic. Like he's, mm. he's looking like a pantomime villain mouse and this is a lot more yeah. serious, which suits the film. Yeah. The tone of the film. And I think a couple of bits. One where he's in that black liquid, obviously visually like really good. But when he two when um when Leto bites down on that gas tooth. Yeah. He uses his suspender thing to like basically climb into the corner like a spider. I think he had like a full like insect thing going on that made him just feel like Yeah. What does everyone think of Timothy Chalamet? It's Paul. He's a he's he's Often touted as like the next big thing, isn't he? Especially yeah. by other directors and actors. I don't know if I've seen anything else that he's done. No, I can't think of anything else I've seen. But I did like him in this. Um, I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really have a problem with him. Yeah. He seemed, I, I find him very similar in every role he's been in. What else has he Apart been? from using, he's in the French Dispatch. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah and that's probably the, where I've liked him the most in anything. Just because he's like acting a bit different, he's not like he usually plays soon. Very... Yeah, yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. He usually plays very serious, kind of like somber characters. Mm. Kind of like Paul. I guess his like stature helps to this. Like he's quite like skinny. Like he's not a... yeah, and I think that's the whole point of Paul. Yeah. And he's not like particularly with Fremen. Like he's supposed to not look like he can fight. And he's still like quite kiddish. Like how he meets. Um... Like his relationship with with Idaho, like it seems, like when he meets him when he's been off scouting, um, yeah. scouting planet, when he first comes back, like he, he greets him like a kid that's uh, like he's missed him for the past month or so. Yeah, no, I think he pulled it off well. I think a lot of it's very true to the book. The actors are very good. Um, Rebecca Ferguson, who plays Lady Jessica, I thought were really good, actually, for Lady Jessica. I think the whole bit where they meet the Reverend Mother and he has to put his hand in that box and do all pain thing. I thought, well, I thought it was just so good. I thought it all played out, how how it, how it happens in the book. I mean, yeah, I've seen her in was it Mission Impossible. She's in it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to like about it. The biggest problem is it's half a story. And it ends at a point where if you've not read them books... You really like what the fuck? Yeah, that was a bit going in that was a worry, mm-hmm. knowing that there wasn't necessarily going to be a part two. I know they were fairly confident, but yeah, I think part of the bit around. I'm not sure they were. We what <laughs> Well, true. And <laughs> no, how... yeah, it's not very often that like they really like yeah. run it till like and, like a week after. How yeah. Blade Runner had done previously, like well received critically, but. Not necessarily the, the yeah. audience to go with. Well, I think so. I think all I think Arrival as well. I mean, Arrival is a good film. I just don't like it personally because it involves time travel. Mm. Yeah, it's like yeah. Blade, it's like Blade Runner as well. Uh, Twenty forty nine. It's just a bag of shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know. I will say one thing. You have to go watch this in the cinema. Yeah, definitely. Don't watch it on HBO Max. Through a TV, because you just missing out on Because like... <laughs> the sound was good again. From... Yeah, that was Hans Zimmer again, wasn't it? So like, yeah, really, particularly like, I really like the score. Yeah, and it was when... very um, strange, but I thought that suited. You know, the score felt it felt foreign. Yeah, I don't know, but I thought that suited like 
the sci-fi because it's it's not like anything you know. Mm. So the score was the score was so strange. It kind of suited all these strange images you were seeing. And like the impact of their voices when they use the power. So that bit on the when the, the helicopter was yeah. equivalent. That bit was very good. Yeah. Again, like almost word for word exact to the book. Yeah. But actually, you know, it, it really brought it to life, didn't it? That's again like a bit of an odd thing from a story point of view, where like you're reading this book and you're just like, oh, it's sci-fi, sci-fi. Wait a minute, what? They've got what? The wizards, because <laughs> essentially they are like. But um, yeah, really, really good, really good in the helicopter bit when they use it, and she says like, kill it, kill yourself, whatever. One thing that was disappointing is they skipped over it in the knife fight at the end, because in the book, Paul has to have the knife fight with the fremen. And he starts losing at one point, and Lady Jessica uses the voice, and then all Fremen are like, "Now nah, we don't, we don't play with that. Like, if you're gonna do that, we're just gonna kill both of you right now." I'm surprised they even know what it is. They just, well, they just call it like I think guy who's fighting him says, "Oh, she's casting a spell on me," or something like that. They they don't know what it is, but they know it's like something not natural. But. Hmm. I think, I think I was just gonna say, I just felt there was something missing from the film to make it really, really good. But I can't say what was missing. At first, I thought it was personality, but then I don't think that's right. Yeah, I think because I, I think that that from like Blade Runner twenty forty nine and Arrival, Dennis Villeneuve's obviously got like a, a set style that you're familiar with. We just felt like it was missing. It's it's the it's, something. It's the thing that's mis- that's wrong with the book, which is that you don't care enough about the characters. Oh no, no, that's one thing. Yeah, I didn't care about the characters at all yeah, because yeah. I knew what was going to happen. Because I knew like, well, this guy's going to die. This guy's going to die. This guy's going to die. But even why were they getting invested? But even if you didn't know that, when I was reading the book and they were saying, oh, like Duncan Adder is doing like you know doing the last stand or I was just like, who is he again? What's <laughs> going on? Like, there's just too many characters, and and also like. They do it in the film and they do it in the book. Duke Leto is like kind of played up a bit, but they don't give you, they don't tell you enough about him or show enough of his character to make you think, oh, it's really bad that he's been screwed over. When Rob Stark gets screwed over in Game of Thrones, you're five books in, you've seen he's tried to do everything right, and at that point you're like, this is bullshit, Billy yeah. bullshit. Yeah, you don't see much of well, you, Duke Leto being a, a big leader, do you? Yeah. No. 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 Yeah, it just felt. You felt there was like just maybe a bit of flair missing. I don't again. You've not seen the nineteen eighty four film, but that uses what the book does. It uses direct narration, and I really like that in the film. Even though that's even though in filmmaking terms, narration is usually frowned on. bad, yeah. Yeah. So when he has the when he has the box scene, and he's like um, the box scene in particular, where he's like he's thinking to himself like fear is the mind killer. And yeah, then, but you also hear the voice of the the high priestess woman, where she's like, "I've never known such power." You get, you kind of get a bit more. You understand the characters more because yeah. you get that self narration over the top. Yeah, that really helps in the nineteen eighty four film, despite all its flaws. I think that's one thing it did. Mm-hmm. It tried. Really they tried well. to like they 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 show a shot yeah. of Lady Jessica saying it, don't they, in this film? Oh, yeah. To try and basically, but again, the problem is having read the book. You're like, oh yeah, she's saying it because he's thinking it. 
But would you get that if you'd not read the book? Yeah. You probably wouldn't. Yeah, there's another thing, another scene it tries to replicate in a new film is with the economist woman, the economist woman who's handing off the layoff. Yes. She puts a suit on. She puts a suit on and she's like, in the book, I'm presuming she thinks like, he'll know our ways even before he's come. But then in this, she says it and it feels like really... Yeah. What the way he puts on the suit. Yeah, like he knows how to wear the suit. The master of change... Clines, I think the character's called. Yeah. He's also a man in the book, but they changed it to a woman in the film because later on in the book, Shani or whatever her name is, who's the love interest, she says to Paul, we've both lost a father today and that's because that's her father. Mm. So he's now a mother. <laughs> yeah, so now we've both lost a parent today. It could be Again, I don't really matter that they changed the gender of the character. Now, actually, I thought the character was fine. I thought the whole thing where they went to that abandoned silo and everything was really good. For the bit where they were just making coffee and then all of a sudden, all troops dropping and they were just like, yeah, there's a teapot, yeah? <laughs> oh, no, ambush! <laughs> you know, I thought that were all fine and everything. Don't really make much difference, but... Yeah, just a difference from the book, I guess. There's some odd things that were changed from the book that make no difference to the film. They don't improve the film or change it. They're kind of just neutral changes. The question is, would you rewatch it? Probably I would. Not. I would. I think I do want to rewatch it, but only because I've carried on reading books since then. I just want to go back and like reevaluate it one more time. I could potentially rewatch it. Not the cinema. In a couple of years, maybe yeah, maybe when, when the next two. yeah when the next film comes out, you know, you watch watch part one. Yeah, we've got two years yet before before it comes out. But again, the biggest problem before was just that. Just knew everything that was going to happen. It just felt, it just felt too familiar. I wasn't like, shit, man. It's just hard to. Didn't ruin Deathly Hallows for me. I was like, oh my god, what? <laughs> well, that's it. It's, it's not necessarily that happened with other films. I don't know why specifically this one. It just felt like. I just felt like the plot was unfolding. I Still just had a like... tear roll down my eye on Snape when I. <laughs> but again, because you care about the characters, and maybe we just don't care about the characters. Maybe it's just not that kind of story. Yeah, maybe because the characters are more Harry Potter characters are more familiar. Mm. Whilst these characters will just, again, yeah, maybe you just didn't care about them enough. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, I feel like Paul just doesn't go through as well. Like, and you know, this might just because I've read too many coming of age books or whatever. Or you know, I just feel like you don't actually go through anything. Even when his dad dies and that, he's just like, I've got a bit juke now, I've got a bit messiah, cool, I don't want to be this murderer, totalitarian emperor, but I still just got to step up and, you know, step my game up. And also, I'm perfectly trained in all combat and have magic powers, so, you know what I mean? At least Harry Potter only knows, like, two spells for, like, six books. <laughs> like, he's always needing to get bailed out of danger. But they work. Yeah. Expelliarmus and Pecurious. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> can't go wrong with those. You can't go wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, cool, but, you know what I mean? Perhaps it'll be different in part two once they've got kids involved and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think nah. maybe not. I feel like... I, I, think, I, I think, think they might hold that off. Yeah. I think part two is going to be like action. and It's going to be like... Yeah. So I guess the problem is, you know, it is a six-book series, like we said, uh, six books by Frank Herbert, and uh, 
two extra books by his kids and whoever decides to rhyme after. So it's hard to know where the story really ends. I haven't read to end the end of this book, but do you think it actually concludes at the end of the book? Yeah. I don't know what happens in the books after that, but yeah, there's definitely a, a solid a conclusion. conclusion. Yeah. All right then. Well, we'll see though. Do we know if all eight books are actually? I know the the original book is considered a classic, but are all eight books <laughs> considered like? A... What were I, the... imagine, I imagine they're probably not. Are they? I imagine like. Oh, I mean, I'm, I can't. I, I, I can't so. imagine so. No, no, and I don't think they'll be obviously following it on in the films, but well. There we go then. It's very difficult. This is a very difficult one to score. Fran, Fran gave it a 10, by the way, he just said. <laughs> Did, he gave it a what? A 10. Has he actually messaged that? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I didn't hear that, so I'm going to have to. Just... <laughs> yeah. His score's not relevant. I'll go first, and I will, and I will score it, but I will put a disclaimer on my score. Bias. Reading the book did change my score. Because what, the bits I... that you read afterwards? or No, no, I'd, I'd read enough of the book oh, to yeah. cover the entire film. True, yeah. So there was nothing happened in the film that I hadn't read. But I think that made me enjoy the film more if I had not read the book. So I, so there's a bonus point in there. There's a one point. You can remove one point. For, for the, the bit of research you did, the bit of homework you did beforehand, yeah. yeah. Bit, of re- bit of homework. Reading that thing for ages, <laughs> man. It took absolutely hours. Hours of boring stuff. What's this? What are they drinking? Sweat again? <laughs> but action, acting, visuals, visuals, we'll say this one time only. Spectacular. Visually spectacular, but with substance. It does have a story. So, for that, good. Massive negative point. It does not conclude the story. I cannot hate that anymore. That is so annoying. It is, I mean, absolute piss off factor. It does not end it. Uh, satisfactory point. Ben's nailed it already. If they just ended it where he has more time with Fremen, then he rides the worm and then he's gearing up for war. Lord of the Rings does not end on the Fellowship of the Ring, but it does leave you wanting more. And this does not. It leaves you thinking, what? He's just going to walk into the desert. Yeah, it's very unclear if you've not read the books what actually is going to be the rest of the story. You want a little teaser. You want to know that they're still taking ring to Mordor. You know what I mean? That's the point. So I'm going to go with a 7.5. I feel like that's low. It's quite low. I feel like it is low because I feel like I want to give it an 8, but I don't really want to. No, I'm going to stick with... If you think 5's average... Yeah, I'm gonna no seven point five is a good By score. By definition, five five is average. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, seven point five is a good score. I think it's a good score. I think it's a good film. I think ultimately the where they chose to end it does leave a bit of taste in the mouth. Seven point five. I'm going eight point five. It's what I wanted from a Denis Villeneuve film. Like I say, I'm glad I read the book as well because, yeah, without that, you'd have had to watch it again just to make any sense of it. Yeah, the frustrating bit going in was knowing that at that point it wasn't necessarily confirmed that it was going to carry on. It would have been good to know that they'd filmed it part two, back Um, to back. Yeah. You'd only have to wait another year. You'd know that 
they're going to conclude the story. Mm. Like I said, it could have left it a bit further on, perhaps. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I invested the time in, in reading the book beforehand. But yeah, it's definitely carried on his streak for me. So yeah, 8.5. I mean, he ruined his streak ages ago. No, he, he's not resetting from this point. He's uh, just constantly ramping up. <laughs> just ramping up? Yeah. Blade Runner 2049. Oh, man. Some people buy the hype. Some people don't. Don't be a sheep, people. <laughs> I'm going to complete opposite you two and say, I wish I hadn't read the book. I wish I knew nothing about the story going into this film. And I think I might have enjoyed the film more. Not knowing what the plot points were or not knowing what was coming. Because I think, I think, I think the film did a reason, as good a job as it could have of setting up all the parties, apart from the Mentats. Yeah, I, I thought it. I it's thought you, you understood very well. Harkonnens were evil, House of Trades. You understood the dynamic between Empress and at war together. Yeah, yeah, um, and I did like the film, although again, I just not caring about the characters was I thought the biggest problem the film had. I don't quite know why that was. Why I don't fully understand it myself. Why I didn't care about them, mm. and I don't know if it was just knowing. Knowing the story, knowing it was only half a story. Um, but then, yeah, visually spectacular. Like the music, it does have a, it does have a plot. Stuff happens, which I think is the biggest criticism of Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, exactly. Nothing happens. Um, although I'd say Blade Runner is a better film altogether. I think I enjoyed it more. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, is there any amigo left who I can respect <laughs> yeah and I just felt like it was missing I just felt like it was just missing something for making it great so I'm gonna I'm gonna but I still think it was really good so I'm gonna give it a 7.5 if this film had a montage you'd have loved it oh if I had a montage yeah where, where was the montage just you like, could have had a montage and then ended it at the point where he rides the worm just like some yeah, yeah comical comical things with a worm you gotta be a hero <laughs> <laughs> Gotta ride a worm in the desert. <laughs> like a nice 80s like rock track. Yeah, yeah. 80s rock track. Yeah. Like a, uh, yeah. Learn, learn, and like, how to use a suit. Yeah, somebody showing him a hook and like, no, you have to hook it onto things. And he's like, what? He drinks some sweat or it goes there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. We so love a montage. I think, I think it's 7.5. I do, I do feel like in part that's underscoring it, but. I do as well. I, I think it's, it's difficult though, but I do think yeah. it, I was left unsatisfied because of the ending. Does it leave you wanting to watch part two? Again, I only want to watch part two because I'm reading the book. Yeah, Well, I think I'm more excited for part two, not knowing fully what will happen. Like, I'm even less tempted to finish reading the book now. <laughs> just to go into it a bit blind and just enjoy enjoy some of the plot points. Not be ruined. Uh, yeah. Two seven point five and eight point five. Yeah. Also, it's it's just it's just different, isn't it? This film was just different to a lot of stuff that oh, was yeah. released today, which is nice. Just not the, the problem is just nothing's being released, has it? We have had a spell. We are gonna. Well, we I mean, are gonna in see in the past. Let's say five years or so. Hmm. Is is um... because TV's ruling over film? That's the that's an argument to say. Yeah. Series has 
have stepped the game up progressively over 10 years to the point where significantly better stuff's coming out. On which, which might have suited this better, maybe. Oh, the, the, yeah, 100%. Yeah. If this could have been if a one series. Of those, if one of those streaming services were willing to put the money behind it. Same same amount of money Amazon spent on Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Lord of the Rings TV series are making behind it, then yeah, because that's the only way you're ever going to get the time to tell yeah, the story. To explore it properly. Because even, even in this slow... How, how long was it? Is that quick? Two and a half. Two and a half hour film. Things still get... Still, things have to get pushed to the background. Yeah, still skips over a lot, but it was a good thing. It, on this whole streak of trying something new, James Bond to June was quite contrasting. James Bond, mass appeal, June a bit more a bit more narrow in terms yeah. of appeal, but actually fulfills a lot under and we've got two more coming up. The cinema felt full of people that you wouldn't normally think would go to see this perhaps. Yeah, I feel like that's like the trend though in the minute. I think a lot of people are just going back out into doing anything, aren't they? Yeah. And it was a big cinema release and it was in all the big screens in our local cinema, so I'm probably surprised Dennis Villeneuve still gets the pulling power he does. Even though he makes very high critically rated films. Blade Runner was a an audience what? Mm-hmm. Arrival, I can't afford did much better. I wonder how much change and influence people put on him for this one. To say, can we uh, can we just really ramp up those sword fights? Because <laughs> Duncan Idaho has like, has like four individual scenes where he has like Close combat. He has one in a corridor, one approaching a, um, a helicopter, and then he has the last stand one, is, which is I feel it, like in the book he doesn't have that many. Is his role? Yeah, I was going to say is his role expanded because I thought he just yeah has one last stand. Yeah, when everyone else does essentially. Yeah, I think he I think he has one where he's hiding with his troops, and what he does, um, and he meets a fremen in the book, and basically what he does is he talks about a fight. You never actually mm. read about it, and then I think he has the one where he. I don't even know if he has a good last stand. I think he just gets killed in the book. I think he gets caught off guard. Something like that. Because I think the ambush is a lot more like... In the in the film, they like they like counter-ambush the ambush. But I think in the book, they just get ambushed. And then it's all a lot more frantic escaping kind of thing. But yeah, obviously they were like... Yeah, we've got uh, Jason Momoa. Let's just use him. I think he was good in this stuff. I think he was definitely really good. I think, you know, mm-hmm. probably one of his best roles so far. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's still essentially just playing himself. Yeah. yeah. But in the best way possible. Well, I can't help being <laughs> such an alpha male. But no, it was, it was good in this. It wasn't cheesy and stuff. You know, you could see that with, with, you could see he's a good actor and actually probably the dialogue in a lot of his other roles, you know, his Aquaman role or whatever. It's like very cheesy, you know. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I think he's because I think I still think his his standout role is still Cal Drogo, which, is, oh, yeah. which I think is his most versatile role. Yeah, I think he needs to try and break out of uh, essentially just like the guy who's slightly humorous. It's too muscular. I was gonna say he's gonna have to. He gets change his body He gets typecast. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's getting typecast, and even this role I think is typecast. But I think this role suits him so well. Yeah, you don't you see past the typecast, don't you? Yeah, he's so. So likable, but I think that's what Duncan's character is supposed to be. He's supposed to be quite charismatic yeah. and handsome and yeah, likable. 
No, it was good. It was a good casting. And again, I think Dave, Dave Batista. I think it's a good casting. Yeah. Yeah, very is underplayed it? though as a character again. You know, the beast, the beast were bad, isn't it? Yeah. Character, maybe? Yeah. Again, I think they play a bigger role in the second book. In the second book. Yeah, but no, overall very good. Um, for a lot of reasons, overall very annoying in a lot of reasons, but <laughs> definitely worth a try. Definitely worth a watch. Um, before we wrap this episode up, next two films. For trying something new. One Ben's already mentioned because he selfishly <laughs> betrayed the Amigos and just like went and saw it. But French Dispatch. Yeah. Wes Anderson. Films with Amigos favourite. Yeah, films with Amigos favourite. Shout out to uh, to uh, the Full Circle boys, Paul and James, who were like who introduced us to Grand Budapest a lot while ago. We're trying to we've been following it up ever since. Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, Life Aquatic. This will be the fourth. fourth Wes Anderson film, French Dispatch. And also, still a bit indie bay, but Halloween special, we're thinking Halloween kills. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> terrible. Hopefully it'll drop out soon as by the time we get there. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we might be able to find something else, but they're going to they're gonna be the things. And then, uh, then after these four episodes, we're going to move on to our next film format. Will it be? Will it be the verses? Will it be decade review? We don't know. We don't know. All we do know is Fran will have no say in it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do the work, you don't get the vote. So yeah, if you could just do the artwork, Fran, send it over, and then yeah, we'll we'll see at some point probably. Yeah, maybe we'll let you let you be a guest next time. (laughs) Right, guys. Jack Jack's being promoted. Jack's always Jack's always the film expert. Let's wrap this one up. That's a goodbye from me. See you next time. Ta-ra. Adios. 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 <laughs> <laughs>